Hey, my name is Pastor Jed, and I am so thankful to get to worship and follow our Lord Jesus alongside you in your house church today. If this is your first time joining us, or your first time being part of a house church, I want to say welcome. This may look different than anything you have ever experienced before, but we are committed to following the Lord and doing our best to be obedient to what he is showing us. It's worshiping King Jesus. It's about loving each other well. It's living in community and serving. It's praying together. It's studying the scriptures together and putting it into action. It's being so captivated by him that we cannot keep it in. And that is when our gatherings become this collection of praising King Jesus together because how we've been spending time with him. I'm so thankful that you are with us and that we get to do this together. We've been going through it all, through all of God's word together. And last week we walked through Acts chapter seven, a challenge this community to read and reread that chapter, to learn that story, to take notes, and even to memorize it, to be able to retell it in your home. Stephen gives us this incredible history lesson, starting with a God of glory who appeared. By the way, let me just hit pause right there. How have you praised him this week as the God of glory? It says, the God of glory who appeared, who revealed himself to Abraham. He retells almost the entire Old Testament, and it is so fascinating. It shows us that God is constant, that he's never changing, that he is so faithful from generation to generation. He's so patient, fulfilling his promise. What he says will happen. And it shows us how everything, everything was building up and pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, the righteous one. Family, I want us to really get this and not rush past this. So today I'm going to ask that all the men in your house church open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 7, and I'm going to ask that the men would read it out loud for everyone who is gathered. It'll be on the screen, but please do not rush through this. Take your time. Really listen to the story. And for those who are listening, I'm going to ask that you take notes as you go through again. This time, I want you to listen for characters in the story who you hear step out in faith. Hebrews 11 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So listen for any time in the story as you hear it today. When you hear someone stepping out in faith, make a note. Men, would you please read out loud Acts chapter 7 for your house church. And everyone listening, please take notes as you go along anywhere you hear someone walking by faith. After you're done, I want you to have a conversation about what you heard. Discuss what it means to walk by faith. What is required? Discuss that Hebrews 11 passage and maybe even share a testimony from your life. Then praise the Lord as a house church and take time to pray together before we come back. There's going to be a timer that comes up on the broadcast. Just go ahead and hit pause. Take your time and really go through this. And then we will come back together. Let's do that right now.
Hey, I hope you had a great discussion around Acts chapter 7 and that you see the amazing God that we serve. Let's keep going as we get into Acts chapter 8 today. Look at it with me. It says, Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Remember Saul was standing right there. We looked at it. You just heard it again. Saul was standing right there as Stephen was being stoned. Not only had Saul heard everything that that Stephen had said, but he witnessed Stephen being stoned to death. And the text says that he completely agreed with the killing of Stephen. Think about how hard his heart must have been, how callous his heart must have been to hear that and to witness and to be in complete agreement, to witness that and to agree completely with what was done. Yet even him, even someone who heard that, who saw that and agreed with it, God didn't give up on him. God was aware and God loved him so much. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe your heart has grown so hard. Maybe you're not even sure why you're listening to this right now. You're just going through the motions. God hasn't given up on you. God sees you and he loves you so much. Next, the text says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Family, this is so important. We cannot miss this. It's happening. Remember back with me in Acts chapter one, what Jesus said, Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts two, the Holy Spirit comes, they receive power and they begin telling everyone, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says in Acts 2 that those who believe were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And it's the visual of the Holy Spirit coming down and this wave going out of more and more being added. But now, right here in Acts chapter 8, we read about another wave. It's the same visual, but it says it's a wave of persecution. It's not a wave being added. It's a wave of persecution, wanting to destroy, wanting to kill, wanting to take away What is happening? Remember back with me as we've seen all throughout Acts, anytime there is a movement of God, the enemy is quickly uh, right on the heels of it, coming in on the heels of it to try to steal, to kill and destroy. That's his job description. And we keep seeing the same pattern. More and more are added and then persecution comes. The gospel of Jesus is spreading and quickly we see the apostles are arrested and they are told not to speak in his name. And it's the same pattern over and over. Anytime there is a movement of God, we have an enemy who does his best to come in to steal, to kill and destroy. And if you, listening to this right now, if you think you are exempt, you are mistaken. I've witnessed it many times from individuals and families um, taking a spiritual step of faith and boom, the enemy comes in right after. Families trusting the Lord in obedience and, and maybe it's giving for the first time. Boom their water heater goes out, boom, a tire goes flat on their car and creates an unexpected expense. And the fear and doubt come rushing in. Maybe we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't have given. How are we gonna pay for this? How am I uh, gonna get through this? Are we going to have enough now? 
And these doubts are planted. And if we believe them and allow them to take root and control how we live, they will hold us back from following in obedience. It's in those moments that we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. It's in those moments that we must keep his word in our hearts and even speak them over the situations that we are facing. Matthew 6 says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store up food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. That's right. Your heavenly father feeds them. He takes care of them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Did you hear that? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. It says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He is provider. Amen. Psalm 37, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God is provider. He's with us. Do you believe that today? Family, it is so important that we know his word. What is too big for God? He is the God most high, as we looked at last week. Is there anything that he can't handle? And I want you to see today that that with this wave of persecution that we see here in Acts chapter 8, what was intended for evil, God used it for good. It says a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, check that out, all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. God used this. He wasn't caught off guard. He didn't go on the defense. He, he, he didn't have to react. No, God was aware. He's seen everything. And he used this to fulfill exactly what he said in Acts chapter 1. He says, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Would you say it out loud in your house, church, right now, this morning? His promise is good. Say it out loud again. His promise is good. Now say it out loud if you truly believe it. His promise is good. Family, what he says will happen. Do you believe that today? He is the God who has seen everything. What what is too big for him? Look at verse 3 with me. It says, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women, to throw them into prison. Take notice, it says all the believers except the apostles were scattered. Uh Uh-oh. The apostles are the ones who have been teaching and spreading the word, been spreading the gospel about Jesus. Now what happens? What happens now, family? What happens when persecution comes and those who are teachers are separated from us? I think it's so fascinating the way verse 3 describes how the persecution happens. Did you catch that? It says, Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. Look at what it says. Look at how he did it. It didn't say that he went from temple to temple. It didn't say that he went from conference to conference. It says that he went from house to house. Look at where the church was meeting. Look at how the church was growing in Acts 2, from house 
the house. Don't miss that. So if he wanted to destroy it, I think it would be the best place to start. The home. Family, this is what we've been saying. It has to start in our home. Sunday can't be the day that we go to church. The church isn't a place. So why do we treat it like that? Why do we why do we even speak about it like that? Fellowship can't be having a bagel or a coffee or a quick meet and greet minutes before service starts. Worship was never intended to be a band that performs for us. It was never meant to be a place where we can we can come and, and stay private, keep to ourselves, maybe hear someone speak, pick and choose what we like, be in and out under an hour, yet we call this church. We talk about it like it's a place. Where do you go to church? What, what time is church? We treat it like it's a business and even focus on the user experience, grading the parking lot experience, the, the greeting, how people are greeted, the, the quality of the lighting in the facility, the music production, and how stunning the live stream is. If Saul wanted to destroy that church, all he would have to do is cut the power off and just watch how many people would flee if the room wasn't at a perfect 72 degrees or their coffee wasn't at a perfect 195 degrees piping, that glorious smell all throughout the building. If they could just experience the speaker without Dolby surround sound and all the screens went dark behind them. I think this is exactly why we saw what we saw when the pandemic hit. Look at the research from Barna. One in three practicing Christians stopped attending church altogether. And that should just break your heart. That's people who were going to church. They have just stopped one in three. 33% just walked away from it. But I think it exposed how weak we were as followers of Christ. People didn't know how to fellowship. People didn't know how to teach their children about Jesus. What do you do when you are separated from those who have been teaching you? Family, it has to start in our homes. What I had you do earlier this morning, reading the word of God together, having a conversation about it, praising the Lord and praying together. We don't have to overcomplicate it. Paul, who was Saul, the same guy we see here in Acts 8, will later be writing to the Ephesians, telling them about what it means to be followers of Christ, Christians, both in faith and in practice. In Ephesians 4, he says, we will speak in truth and love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Did you catch that? Christ, who is the head of his body. It's a body. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The whole body working together, each part doing its own special work. Do not miss that. Helping the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is the church, the home and the house, the house church. This allows for an environment that produces a level of intimacy that's very uncommon in our culture. It's intimacy, not privacy. It's going deeper in relationships with people and walking together. It's sharing life together, not giving someone an hour block of your week. It takes people to a level of connectedness, dependability, and transparency, being open with people, and fellowship, spending time together, going deeper in relationship that, that most American Christians have sadly never experienced. And when it comes to teaching our kids, why is it 
that in schools and in education, parents are always fighting for smaller class sizes. We don't want our children to have to be in a class of 30 or 40 or larger because we believe it will limit their learning and hinder their engagement. Yet when it comes to church, American culture says the bigger the better. We never think twice about class size of a Sunday school room. It's just expected that someone else will teach our kids about Jesus and we never think twice about how big or how small it is. It's just about someone else teaching our kids about Jesus. That's the Sunday school teacher's job. But family, that's not what God's word teaches us. Go all the way back to Deuteronomy 6. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, and when you're going to bed. And when you are getting up, tie them around your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So why did Saul, as he's trying to destroy the church, going everywhere, why does it say that Saul went from house to house because family? That's where it has to start. I sent an email this week that shared a stat from a study down of American parents stating that families only spend, check this out, 37 minutes together a day. 37 minutes. By the way, if you're not getting our emails and um, you want to make sure that you are getting those, please let us know by just sending us a quick email at start at miamivalley.org. That's start at miamivalley.org. That way you can get uh, all the information. But I want you to see that 37 minutes. And I want to ask you listening today, how about in your home? That's why I challenge you as a, as a family in your home to read and to know the story, to memorize Acts 7 by the end of the year. Break it down into chunks. Focus on a couple sentences or parts of the story each week. Talk about it together. Have a conversation about it. Maybe share the characteristics that you see about God that are revealed in there. It is so important that we know the story that builds up. It, it all builds up and it points to Jesus. Praise him together as a family. Family, it has to start in our homes. And when it starts in our homes, we cannot keep it in. It'll go into our workplaces, into, into conversations we'll have that week around lunch tables, into classrooms, down the street to our neighbors. It will go out and out and out. So here's how I want to end our time together today. I'm going to ask that you and your house church just pray together. Everyone, kids, parents, everyone who is present right now in your house church, I want you to go around and ask each person how you can be praying for one another, encourage one another, serve one another. Ask how you can be praying for each other's families. What's coming up this week or this month? How can you be encouraging each other, praying for each other, checking in with each other? Ask if there are any needs that you see around you and how you can serve together. Go bless someone together. And then I want you to praise the Lord together and pray. It's so important, family. And as we go to the Lord's Supper today, would you give thanks that the good news, the good news that we read right here in Acts, it's made it all the way into your home today. And right now it is available to your heart. I love you. And until our King comes back, May it start right here. May our hearts and our homes be filled with praise, serving him in obedience. Almighty God, Lord, what a joy it is to come before you right now. 
God, to hear your word, to hear about who you are. God, you are our most high. There's nothing that can compete with you. God, you've seen everything and you see every heart right now who is listening to this. God, as your word goes out right now, as it's stirring in hearts, God, to, to take a step towards you, God, I just pray that there would be steps of faith taken. God, that people would trust you, that they would see that you are a provider. God, that you are in control of everything. You're owner of everything. God, that they would step out in faith and say yes to you. God, may hearts hear your truth right now. May families and, and homes be strengthened. And God, may it not be contained, but may it go out, just like we see in this text. Lord, we love you. We look forward to our King Jesus coming back. And until then, may we be found faithful. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.